Faithful Citizen, The Training, Chapter 18 During the summer of Granny's drama, Tracy worked at IBM with Pete. Tracy had returned to West Virginia alone, much like Auntie Mame constantly returned to Beekman Place without a man. As Tracy was now an eligible bachelor, he and Pete dated. By the end of the summer, Pete suggested Tracy transfer to Cincinnati instead of continuing at West Virginia Tech, but Tracy wasn't sure that was his path. Besides, Tracy thought, Cincinnati was only a two-hour drive. Pete also came home often and took care of the manse while Betty and John were off somewhere actually traveling with Mame. Moody liked the match because Pete enjoyed being gay while not embracing the stereotype. Moody also liked how Tracy talked about Pete. However, it was Pete's actions that spoke volumes. Once the fall semester began, Pete and Tracy couldn't see each other until fall break. By then, Tracy was so revved to see Pete, he locked himself out of his Fiat Brava. Pete was waiting for Tracy in Charleston. The plan was for Tracy to go home, and they would go to dinner. Instead, Pete got a phone call. Where are you? Pete asked in his deep voice. I'm still at school, Tracy said. I was in a hurry, and I locked my keys in the car. I'll be in Montgomery in an hour, Pete decided. Are you sure? Yeah, I got this. But I already called Granny, and Moody was going to come up. Not to worry, Pete assured. Call Granny and tell her you're fine, and you're staying with me. What about dinner? Get yourself changed. That way you'll be ready to go to dinner by the time I get there. Okay, Tracy said, because now the circumstance sounded like an adventure rather than an inconvenience. Within the hour, Pete drove up in his 1984 black Toyota MR2. He hopped out like Bond when he drove the Lotus Esprit submarine in The Spy Who Loved Me. Only Pete wore dark sunglasses, even though the sun was almost set. Where's your car? Pete asked. Tracy pointed. What are you going to do? Get a new set of keys made, Pete said, popped the trunk, and pulled out his toolbox and a Slim Jim. How are you going to do that? Tracy asked as they walked to his Fiat. Stand back, Pete said with a smile, and time me. Without rolling up his sleeves, Pete popped the door open with the Slim Jim and got a screwdriver. In three minutes, he had the steering column free, had pulled it out and laid it on a pre-placed piece of cardboard in his trunk. You're scaring me, Tracy said, but he loved it. How do you know how to do that? Pete just smiled, gathered his tools, and threw Tracy's book bag in his trunk. How'd I do? Tracy looked at his swatch. Five minutes. Not too bad, Pete said. Then they hopped in the MR2 
and in Tracy's mind, sped off as the orchestra reached the crescendo of 007's theme music. <laughs> what do we do now? Tracy asked. We're going to dinner, and then a movie as planned, Pete said. Then you're going to stay with me at the house. John and Betty are in Tonga. Tomorrow we'll get the keys made. After breakfast, Pete and Tracy went to Judy's locksmith and got the serial number off the steering column. Within half an hour, the keys were made, and an extra set for Pete. By mid-morning, they were back at Tracy's car, where Pete reinstalled the column. They were back in Charleston by noon, and after lunch, they went by Moody's garage, and he checked that the Fiat's column was solid. Yep. Moody said, You boys are ready to go, so where are you headed? Pete has some electrical work to do at the house, Tracy said. Yeah, Pete said. I need to show him how to change the ballasts in the kitchen lights, and a few fuses need replacing. Then Pete shook Moody's hand. I'll bring him back tomorrow, Mr. Moody. Yep, Moody liked him some Pete. He wasn't a queenie guy, and after that episode, Pete was Tracy's knight in shining armor. Hello everyone, Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. Then, things got harder over the next year, and darkness crept through the crevices. Tracy's transfer from NC State made him ineligible to continue his internship at IBM. The following summer, Tracy could only find a part-time job, which was a further defeat. Tracy's decreased cash flow convinced him to move back in with his grandparents. The move was also a blessing, because Granny needed more help with Moody. Then, life slowed to a lull. A season of quiet came over the three, as if God was preparing them for something. But as fall came, the quiet was stirred into aggravation. Tracy's classes had suffered the past two semesters, and as Thanksgiving approached, things came to a head. Tracy wasn't sure of the issue, but something was wrong with more than his grades. Granny and Moody argued all the time. Likewise, to Tracy, everything became difficult, sluggish, and gloomy. Vera was coming for Thanksgiving because everyone was going to her house for Christmas, but even that was complicated. Bobby stirred the pot by buying a used van. He wasn't sure if it would make it from D.C., but he was hell-bent on driving it to West Virginia and everything was strife. I don't see why he don't take the Lincoln, Granny groused. On the day before Thanksgiving, Granny became more uncommonly bossy. 
She ran around the house cleaning and decorating at the same time. She wanted everything to be just right, but made everything all wrong. Moody stayed in his room and wasn't to be trifled with. Tracy was outwardly quiet, but disturbed in his spirit. He spoke to God about it constantly, but he was silent too. Tracy kept praying and waited for an interruption and kept asking if he was in the right place or not. The next morning, Tracy sat in the kitchen and ate his cereal. Moody and Granny were still at it, and both talked to themselves with explosive pops. Most of the strife was unintelligible to Tracy. Moody stayed in his room and muttered, and Granny carried on in the kitchen as she made a pie. When Moody finally came to get breakfast, Granny immediately turned and yelled at him. Moody yelled back, turned his wheelchair around, and finally said the first thing Tracy had understood in days. I'm going to take care of this right now, Moody stated, and went back to his bedroom. Granny continued muttering as she kneaded her dough. Then she threw the flour down before she kneaded the hell out of it again. She stood by the sink and looked out the window with her back to the living room. Then Tracy and Granny heard the distinctive click of a gun barrel closing, and there was a pause. Tracy looked forward over his cereal bowl. Granny's cigarette smoking stopped, as did her pie-making. As Granny looked into the living room, her cigarette dropped into the sink. Almost simultaneously, Granny turned around with her pie-dough in one hand and a handful of flour in the other. In the small diamond mirrors that went down the meridian-blue walls, Tracy saw Granny scream as the dough flew behind his head. Granny followed with a lunge through the doorway and left a cloud of flour in her wake. Then Tracy heard Moody's wheelchair tip over. His grandparents hit the floor with a thud that shook the house, and they wrestled to try and kill the other one first. Tracy jumped up, and once the flour fell, Tracy made out Moody's empty wheelchair tipped on its side with the top wheel spinning. Tracy couldn't tell where one ended and the other began, and Granny and Moody struggled too hard to make any noise. But the gun was thrown aside, so Tracy grabbed the phone and dialed Ginny and Alvin. You got to get up here, Tracy panted. What's wrong? Ginny asked. Alvin was already out the door and running from a block away. I, I don't know, Tracy said. I've... I've never seen this before. And he couldn't describe it. I, I, I don't know, Tracy repeated. But I can't do this. In no time, Tracy saw his aunt and uncle come through the front door, and they managed to pull the two apart. Ginny got Granny to her room to get cleaned up, and Alvin got Moody back into his chair. They got the gun put away, and then... All four sat in the living room and wept quietly. Tracy felt removed as he watched them cry. He never found out what the fight was about, and Tracy never saw Moody and Granny do anything like it again. Vera and Bobby arrived for Thanksgiving the next day, 
and it was as if nothing happened. Even more oddly, nothing was mentioned. Everything was perfectly lovely, just as Granny wanted before the mangled altercation. The following day, Tracy gave Vera a hug before she left. As she walked to Bobby's van, Tracy finally heard him. O、oh、death, where is thy sting? O、oh、grave, where is thy victory? He quoted. What does that mean? Tracy thought. Look it up. He answered gently. And find peace. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to purchase the book Dual Citizen, it is available on Amazon. Be sure to search for Dual Citizen The Connection. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival, are available in print as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen The Connection is also available on Audible. So, If you would like to skip ahead and see how everything turns out, feel free. But don't tell your friends the ending. Thanks again, and we hope everyone will find their place at the table.